Continuing in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 to 17. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the word of God. Thank you so much. So good to see you this morning. Welcome to Grace. Glad you're here. If you're joining us on Facebook Live, we're so glad to have you uh, joining us wherever you may be this morning. Welcome. And you may not know that uh, for our folks who are on Facebook Live, we have someone uh, just to your right uh, tucked away back there who is interacting with them all through the, uh, the time of worship this morning. Also, we have a group here from Texas who are serving over at Freedom Life. Welcome to uh, this crew. Glad to have you. Would you make them welcome this morning? They're right here, two or three rows back. And they are serving, doing some great work at Freedom Life. I am so enjoying the series in Ephesians, and this morning we continue. And as we do, it is one thing to jump into God's Word, uh, but it is another thing for God's Word to jump into us, isn't it? For His Word to settle deep in our hearts indeed is the goal, because when that happens, there is life change, and that life change lasts and so this morning, that is what um, we hope to happen, and you'll have a tool that you'll be able to pick up as you leave today that will come alongside you, just a simple, simple thing, but something I will say to you that has been part of my practice uh, now. I prepare sermons a couple weeks in advance for about a week and a half. I ran across this story on Crusade, Campus Crusade, or Crew as it is now known, on their website, and it's told by Jess Fong. You can tell by her name she is Asian, and she talks about an experience that she had uh, uh, years ago when she was in sixth grade. She said, as I walked up the steps of my school bus, a boy blocked my path, and he looked at me and said, no chinks on the bus. She said, I exited as a little sixth grade girl and walked 15 minutes to the public bus station. For the rest of that school year, I intentionally missed the school bus and used public transportation every single day. She says, I've never forgotten the other student's laughter that day when he made fun of me. Chink is a derogatory term used against Asians, which targets the shape of their eyes. She said, my eyes. Over the years, she says, I've heard different appropriate phrases for the appearance of my eyes, but none have been able to fully pacify the flurry of emotions I felt that day. She says, the message was clear. Because of my race, my identity, I wasn't worth a seat on the bus. She went on to talk about where she now resides in her identity in Christ. I am convinced this morning that I am talking to people in this room who for a variety of reasons are convinced 
that you also are not worth a seat on the bus. It may be for reasons that Jess has uh, blogged about uh, on the website for Crusade, or it could be for reasons of self-inflicted sin or pain. It could be because of something you have done, or it could be because of something done to you out of your control. And as a result of that, there comes this broken record that begins to play through your mind, and that record says to you, you are not worth, and the blanks can be filled in from there. And so I would say to you that when that record begins to play, that that record is a record of repeated lies. And if you believe the lies long enough, there will be a defeat that you will live in in perpetuity. You will struggle to get out of that defeat. You will struggle to overcome an internal record that plays constantly. And should you be blessed to have a husband or a wife, a mom or a dad, or a godly friend or a life group leader to speak truth. It's just that their one or two sentences ever so often are muffled by the recurring, repeating record of what plays in your mind. And so it is this morning that I come to give you, uh, from the Word of God, a new record, a new set of statements that, by the authority of the Word of God, can define the life of every follower of Jesus Christ. This is not an, uh, uh, an exercise in intellectual futility. This indeed is warring words that I give to you this morning. This is a passage, uh, uh, after all, about war. And so the command three times in Ephesians 6 is to stand. And here to stand firm And so let's look at five reasons you can stand firm, and I'll say them this way. I can stand firm because I am accepted. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Uh, The belt for a Roman soldier was a leather apron which hung under the armor and protected the thighs. That's the metaphor. Paul, when he writes Ephesians, is chained to a Roman soldier. And so uh, he probably is looking at that soldier. That's where the metaphor most likely comes from. But what is this truth It is an objective truth that leads to subjective change. All right, so an objective truth that leads to subjective change. In other words, what you must do to get this and for this to get you is to internalize external truths. So where is this truth found? Ephesians 2. 
Ephesians 2 says, you and I, before Jesus Christ, and so if you know Christ this morning, before him, Ephesians 2 says, you and I were sick. Is that what it says? No. It says, you and I were dead. We were dead. There's a big difference in sick and dead. Sick has hope, dead does not. You and I were dead. But verse 3 I love, or verse uh, 4, but God. That little but God, that phrase that turns everything, that awesome conjunction here, right? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. One of the things I've been learning to do, and I'll share with you in full next week, a full sheet, again, giving you tools uh, to put in your tool belt or weapons in your armor is a prayer of recollection. It is the spiritual discipline of reminding the self of its true identity in Christ, full pardon, full acceptance in Christ in me that I am not alone. I must say to you this morning that unless you insert these truths into the daily rhythm of your life, life itself or that broken record will rob your life of them, you will stand in a sense naked You will stand with truth all around, but not in. And that truth that is all around, but it is not in you, is is coming and and, and ready for the taking, if you will. I can stand because I am accepted. I was dead. God made me alive. He raised me up. And today I'm seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Having put on the belt of truth. That is truth. There are a lot of things that may come at you. There are a lot of things that may assault you. But that is truth. If you are in Christ, you are accepted. Secondly, I can stand firm because I am righteous. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does righteous mean? Let me give you a passage from Philippians and then we'll define righteousness. Therefore, Paul writes, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both the will and the work for his good pleasure. All right. When you come to God by faith in Christ, At that moment, you are given the righteousness of Christ. I'll jump into that a little more next week, but you are given the righteousness of Christ. We call that justifying righteousness. 
But it is sanctifying righteousness, that life-changing righteousness that you and I work out every day of our lives. Righteousness is God's gracious initiative in putting sinners right with himself through Christ. That's righteousness, putting sinners right with himself through Christ. James touched on this a moment ago. Our second value is heart change, justification, that leads to life change, sanctification. We believe that God can change anybody. Amen? We believe that no one is too hard for him. Whatever your sin, whatever your hang-up, whatever your hurt, whatever your habit, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, how awful it has been, how, how, how many people it may have hurt, you are not too hard for God. Amen? God can change you. He can make you into a new man. He can make you into a new woman. He is able. That is justifying righteousness. It is what happens when you, by faith, receive Christ. God changes you from the inside. It begins to work its way to the outside. As a soldier's breastplate protected his chest from enemy attacks, so sanctifying righteous living guards your heart from the assaults of the devil. On the converse, when you repeatedly sin, You expose your heart to the work of the devil. When you repeatedly sin, the heart becomes hard. Isaiah 11, Isaiah describes Christ himself. Notice what Christ wears. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Every morning of your life, if you're going to battle well, You must do so in light of the righteousness which is given to you by God. Say, how can I do that? There's a single sentence. I think Keller came up with this that might be for you one single summation. I am so sinful, Jesus had to die for me. So loved, he was glad to die for me. Whatever it is that begins to tuck this truth into you. Paul says here in verse 14, Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And verse 15, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I can stand firm because I am accepted. I can stand firm because I am righteous. And I can stand firm because I am ready. I am ready. Did you see that? And his shoes for your feet have been put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers wore heavy sandals with soles made of several layers of leather. Just the sole was about three-fourths inch thick, studded with nails. They would tie those sandals, most likely you've seen pictures, all the way up uh, to almost to their knees. 
These are not running shoes. They're, they're standing shoes. Paul is not asking you to run toward the enemy yet. He's just saying this is where you, how you stand where you're planted. What is the readiness? What does it come from? The gospel mentioned four times in Ephesians. In 1.13 is the good news of salvation. In 3.6 it's Jews and Gentiles together. Our sure-footedness is gospel peace. If you want to stay where you are, if you want to stand against the onslaught of the enemy, you, you will do it with gospel peace. We wage war through the peaceful declaration of the gospel of peace. Why? Because Satan is called a schemer. He is a slanderer. His primary aim is to convince you that you are not who you say you are. That's what he tries to undo. Paul writing in Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Inherent in the gospel is power. The gospel itself is powerful. We say, well, how does this work? Like, what does this look like? I want to ask a question, and then we'll run to the Old Testament for a moment. So be honest, all right? This is, Alan Michael said earlier, audience participation. So be, be honest. How many of you have had a day this past week where you did not feel close to God Raise your hand. All right? So most of you had at least one day where you did not feel close to God this past week. All right? How many of you, how many of you did not feel close to God this morning as you're getting ready for church? Raise your hand. Okay? All right. I get you. I get you. Believe it or not, as a pastor, there are some Sundays when I come here and I do not feel close to God. I, I don't. I don't sense that. I may be caught up in things in my mind that I have uh, dealt with or need to deal with. That who knows what it is if I pray through the sermon and it doesn't seem to be what I thought it was going to be. That can distract. There's so many things, aren't there? There are just so many things. All right, so let's go to the Old Testament. The following passage is a picture of a messenger coming into Jerusalem. And when he gets in earshot of the city, he announces some good news. But it isn't a good time. That's the interesting thing. He announces good news, but not at a good time. He says good things when things aren't good. He says peace when peace is not to be found. He, he says that, that, that Jerusalem is God's place when it doesn't feel like it because they have lost their longtime king. They're in a state of flux. 
They don't feel peaceful. But he says it, though they don't feel it. What does he say? Isaiah 52, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, look at those words, good news, peace, happiness, salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. Uh, the, the guy who gets within earshot of the city, the, the hill that Jerusalem sits on, and he says to that forlorn city, your God reigns. They don't feel that way. Life isn't treating them as if God is on the throne. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice so the watchmen were around the city walls making sure enemies didn't get in. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the what? What does it say, class? They see the what? The return of the Lord. They see what has yet to be. There are times when you are going to be ready because you do not see what is, but you see what is to be. Does that make sense? You see what is coming down the road. You see what is to be. I congratulated someone here this morning who's retiring in a few months, and she said to me, it's 12 weeks from tomorrow. Am I counting? Well, yes, you are. Why? Because you live now in light of then. Right? You live now in light of 12 weeks from tomorrow. If you've ever planned a super fun vacation, how do you do? Well, a week out or two weeks out or a month out, you're thinking this time next month I'm going to be at wherever it is. This time in a week I'm going to be at wherever it is. And then once you go and you get back, how do you feel? Oh, right? Oh, it's over. And you will say, sometimes I'll say to Wendy, do you know where we were this time last week? And what would she say? Don't remind me. Why? Because we're not there. We're back in the grind. But this is what this person sees. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing your waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall, that's future, see the salvation of our God. This is where every one of us lives. And this is what you must get. You are not who you will ultimately be. But thank God, if you know Christ, you're not who you used to be. Amen? Isn't that good? You are not there yet, but you're not where you used to be. You've not arrived. You haven't figured it out. But if you, by grace, are walking by grace, you are ready. Why? Your feet, your feet are laced up with the gospel. Peace. The good news. That's why we sang the song we did right before the sermon. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. 
Oh, his love for me. Who the Son sets free, oh, is free indeed. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last, he has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. The bridge says, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Now, something happened while Joe was reading scripture this morning. And I wish I saw everything in a sermon, in a text I'm about to preach, sitting in my office two weeks ago. But see if you track with me on this. Did not get it, and I went, whoa. Look at this. Look at tenses of verbs here. Verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You have these three parts of the armor, and it's supposed that you have already put them on. Meaning this is everyday attire. The next three are in the heat of the battle. This is how you stand. This is how you live. This is how you think every single day, all day, every day. But soldiers don't walk around with their helmet on. They don't walk around with the shield up all the time. And they don't walk around with the sword drawn. Remember last week we talked about in that day or at that time. Now, here's the deal. If you wait until the day of the battle or to the heat of the battle to put your shoes on, what you going to do? Get beat down, right? That's like running on the football field with one cleat on and one off. It ain't going to be good for you. So this, this reality, this truth, I can stand firm because I am accepted. I can stand firm because I am righteous. I can stand firm because I am ready. You must daily, multiple times a day, get that truth in you. And then the battle will come. In all circumstances, there you go. Everything changes. What? Circumstances. Life is full of them, isn't it? Just things just happen, don't they? You don't think it's going to come, and here it does. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Did you see the change? Having put on, having put on, having put on, take up. All right, so this is how you dress all the time. This is what you do when the circumstance comes. All right, but I'm going to say to you, if you're not dressed like this all the time, the shield of faith will not serve you so well. All right, so I can stand firm because I am forth dependent. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all, I love that little word, all, not some, all the flaming darts of the evil one. 
What did a shield look like? It was the shape of a door. It covered the whole man. This is why you never carry that thing around all the time. It covered the whole man. It was made of two wood planks glued together with the outer surface covered with canvas and then with calf skin. Metal on the top and bottom uh, edges of it. They would dip it in water so that when the flames came, the water, think how heavy that shield is now. If it's all that I've described to you, saturated in water, this you raise when the battle gets hot. What is faith? My simple definition is just my simple definition. Trust in God, not self. That's what it is. It is trusting God, and I had the negative, not self. Why? Because for me, that's how faith works. I have a tendency to trust in myself. And so I know I'm being faithful when I'm trusting in God and not myself. So these arrows would come from a bow. They're, they're wrapped and ignited. And so these soaked in water Leather shields wrapped around wood as soon as that arrow hits, it is extinguished. What are Satan's flaming darts then? His accusations of false guilt. Thoughts of doubt and disobedience, rebellion, lust, malice, fear, uh, he has a litany of these things, doesn't he? John Stott says, faith lays hold of the promises of God in times of doubt and depression. And faith lays hold of the power of God in times of temptation. You will have times of doubt and times of depression. You will have times of temptation. In those moments, massive shield that can cover your entire body goes up. What is that? I, I, I call these rocket prayers, breath prayers. Things like, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you now. Some of them are very obvious. Two weeks from today, we'll be in Ecuador. Remember our first trip to Nicaragua. And in Nicaragua, now you really can't travel there, but then you could. And I remember uh, a tactical error we made. There was a crew of us, I think, between 50 and 60 on that trip. And we made the tactical error of staying late at a missionary's home and having to drive in the night. That's just something you shouldn't do in Managua. But we were. There was a police officer on our trip. She sat right in front of me. Janie was her name. I leaned up to Janie and I said, this isn't good. She said, I know. I said, we are a moving target until we get to where we've got to be. She said, I know. She said, if something happens, you pray and I'll fight. 
I said, I'm down. <laughs> In that moment, what am I doing? Lord, we need you, right? Lord, we need you, and we need you now. Those times tend to bring us to an end of ourselves, don't they? They, they bring us to that place where we realize that uh, indeed we do need him. But then there are those times where we don't realize. Same trip. So since I speak Spanish, I, I can understand a lot of what is going on. We're on the same trip in, in downtown Managua. And uh, these two men climb up on our, uh, or this one man climbs up on our bus to clean the windows. When he does, I'm sitting close enough to the bus driver to where I see him grab for his machete. I'm like, oh, this could be fun. And so I lean in with my ear to see what's being said. He starts to yell at him out the window. And what he's yelling isn't nice. And he's telling him to get off the bus. And the guy's saying, I want to wash your windows. And he said, no, you don't. I know what you want to do. So when all of that's over and we move through the red light and the guy jumps off the bus, I lean up to the bus driver and said, what was he trying to do? He said he was trying to get in the window. Everybody in the bus didn't have a clue, right? I had no idea. There are those times when the shield is quite obvious. But I'm going to say to you that for many of you, that time will be today before the day's out. You'll need to raise the shield of faith. I am dependent. And finally, I can stand firm because this is big. I am safe. And take, put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet was hot and uncomfortable. Only put on by a soldier when he faced impending danger. What is the helmet? A conscious possession of salvation there will be times when you will not feel safe and you will have to tell yourself that you are in Ephesians 2 God made believers alive in Christ raised them up seated them with him in heavenly places saved them by grace as they appropriate this salvation more fully, live in light of who they are, they have every reason to be confident in battle. You're safe. What does it mean to be safe? I, I, I thought as I worked on this, some old songs I grew up singing, safe in the arms of Jesus. Sheltered in the arms of God. Yesterday, several members of our family gathered together and spent some time, and we gathered around the piano and sang that old song, What a fellowship, what a joy is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. The chorus goes, leaning, leaning, Safe and secure from all alarms, I'm leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. You are safe. 
Jesus, talking about that, said, I know my sheep and they know my, me, they know my voice. I know them by name. No one will ever pluck them out of my hand. You are safe. You will get home. You will see Jesus. You will, if you know Christ, get to heaven. You will live with him. You will be in his presence. You, you're safe. Jesus said, fear, fear not the person who can destroy your body. Um, it's a body. Fear the person who can destroy your soul. When you know Christ, you are safe. But that's not, those are the five statements, the I am's. And as you leave today, here's your simple tool to grab as you go and to put in some place these five statements and to begin to pray. And I'm going to say to you, there have been multiple times in the day that I've prayed these in the last 10, 12 days since I finished this sermon. But look at this. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So our praise team is going to come now. We're going to close by singing the song we sang right before the sermon because I'm a, I have a feeling that we're going to sing it just a tad differently. I have a feeling that now, now that we've heard this and we realize all over again and I've reminded you of what some of you know, that you are accepted and righteous and ready and dependent and safe, then there is a need to proclaim that. The sword of the Spirit is the only offensive weapon mentioned. You say, well, that's easy. That's the word of God. Yes, it is. But that's not all. There are two words in Greek for word that are primarily used in the New Testament. One is logos. That's the one that most often describes the written word or Jesus as the word in John 1. That's that word. But then there's the word rhema. And the word rhema is different because it means the proclaimed word of God. Like it's the word written, but when you put rhema, it's that spoken word of God. Is there any kind of power in, in, in out loud praying and saying who you are? Yes, that's what Paul says here. He says at some points you will have to take out the sword. And that sword will be these words the, the armor is who you are. It is who you are. It is the soldier of Jesus Christ who is raised up and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And the schemes of the enemy are to make you doubt who you are in Christ and so I would say to you this morning, if you've walked in here and for whatever reason you are down low because you perhaps did something that you need to confess, something you need to repent of, something you need to be done with, I would just simply say to you this morning, if you are bowed low, you are down low. There is a God who can raise you up. And there is a God, if you belong to him, who raised you up and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And you are who he says you are. If you're here this morning and you have never trusted Christ, in a sense, you're on the outside looking in going, wow, I would love that security. I would love to know him like that. I would love to walk with Jesus in that way.
How can I? This morning, I'll be here. Alan Michael will be here. Daniel will be here working with us. Two kinds of people may need to walk down this aisle while we sing this song. The one is the person who says, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I've been a good person. I've gone to church or maybe person I've never trusted Christ but this morning I want to give my life to Jesus then come forward we'll we'll pray with you and walk you through those next steps and then there's the second kind of person who says I've known Christ but I've been so badly injured in the war I've been so beaten up and beaten down I've forgotten who I am this morning I, I just need somebody to pray that with me the sword of the Spirit, the spoken word of God. So if you know Christ this morning, would you stand with me all over the house before we sing? How about we do this together? I don't think we have them on the screen all at the same place, but I'll give you the words and you repeat after me. If you know Christ, repeat this. If you do not, you do not stay where you are or come forward and come to know him church all together I am accepted I am righteous I am ready I am dependent and I am safe let's sing let's worship you respond as God leads you